My name is Tracy Carpenter and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, welcome. We are glad that you tuned in. We believe that the church is a family and not just an event, and so we would love to connect with you. Uh, there are a few ways that you can do that. The first being um, through our website, which is www.restoredtemecula.church, um, and then click on contact. We also have a mobile app that you can get in the Apple or the Android app stores, and through that app you can see past um, messages, upcoming events, and other ways for us to connect. Um, so with all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. But it got your attention. So I'm here to introduce this morning's speaker. Uh, you guys know her if you're a part of our community, if you've been with us for any amount of time. Uh, Andrea has been with us for many years. Uh, she is a gospel community leader. She is an incredible cook and baker. I mean, there's literally a book called Pasta that will be used. And, and more than that, like she, she's a teacher and she loves God's word. She loves God's people. Uh, and we have been, uh, for the last several years, privileged to have her uh, speak multiple times, and we really feel like she's got a word for our church this morning that we're really excited for. So without further ado, come on up, Andrea. I know I prayed for you already, but is it cool if I pray for you again? Yes. Uh, if you'll join me in, in praying and asking God to, to meet with us and for our hearts to be open. Uh, Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you that you have set this time apart for us to gather uh, as a community to open up your word and to hear from you and to encounter you. And I pray that our hearts across this entire room would be open, that we would be ready to receive what you have for us. I pray for a hunger and a humility, a hunger that's like, I want Jesus. And the humility to say, like, there's, there's more for me to learn. There's more for me to experience. There's more for me ahead than what I currently possess of him. And I pray that you would fill Andrea up, that she would be, her, like, her life and her voice would be poured out as, an, as a pleasing uh, act of obedience and worship to you, even as she's, as she's teaching as she's opening up the scriptures, would this be worship for her? Would this be like, let me tell you, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about this Jesus who's done so much for me, who's done so much for us. Let me tell you about the impact that he has. Do you want him? I pray that this simple word would do something profound in us, that it would go deep, and that our response, God, would be a response across the room in various ways that say, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. We bless you and honor you. We say, thank you, Father. We say, thank you, Jesus. Spirit, fill us up. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, have fun. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I was telling someone earlier, it never, when I say that I get nervous doing this stuff, like being up here, everybody's always so shocked. And they're like, you're all, like, you're in front of people all the time. I'm like, doesn't matter. <laughs> it still is nerve wracking every time. Um, but this morning, 
Ironically, I have been weepy all morning, but I am talking to you about joy, so it's going to be great. <laughs> um, it's been said that a teacher is someone who has a passion to communicate, which I very much relate to. So if you have the time and are willing to sit with me, I will tell you about everything that I am going crazy about, like in a good way. Like, if you want to talk bread, I am here with you for 45 minutes. <laughs> if you want to talk about gardening, I am here with you or homeschooling or whatever is going on in my life that I am currently super passionate about. I just want to talk about it to as many people want to listen. So... That is why this morning is such a privilege for me, because I want to share with you something that the Lord has been revealing to me personally, and an invitation that I feel like he has, not just for me, but for our community. Um, so, it was the beginning of November. Um, we were talking through our GC's Friendsgiving, and kind of thinking through... Um, what we wanted that night to look like. And I was asked to lead that night. And I started wrestling with the Lord. How can we enter into this place of thanksgiving when there is so much, um, there's a lot of heavy things right now in our GC. And my heart was burdened with this question, how do we enter into joy when suffering and weariness are so present? And they feel so prominent. Um, I can't look at my GC. <laughs> um, a memory immediately came to mind. Uh, I, I, many of you know my story, so I'm not going like, to fully go into the story. But our first child, I was uh, pregnant in 2000. I don't even remember. Sometime in the 2000s, <laughs> I was pregnant. Um, and... Our daughter only lived 17 hours, and so our firstborn, I ended up, um, we had to bury, and this was two days after I had come home from the hospital, still very much in the throes of like, what just happened, in complete shock, I could only cry all the time, like, it was such a heavy, heavy time. But I have this memory that the Lord brought to me this November that I'd totally forgotten about. I was outside on the patio having dinner with friends, and lots of people were over. We had a ton of support during that time, so lots of friends and family. But there was like a, my closest friends at that time were at the table crying all together. And somebody said something that just like, made me start cracking up laughing. And it was, I can't even tell you what it was, but it made me laugh and it was like a good laugh. And I just remember in that moment thinking, thank you, God, like I needed that. But at the same time, there was a family member that saw me partaking in joy and they didn't understand how I could possibly be laughing at a time like this. And they actually ended up leaving upset at me. Joy in the midst of sorrow, a gift that I will forever be grateful for. So at the same time in my personal life, the last couple months, I'm just going to be very honest with you, I have been struggling with um, 
thoughts of like being a failure, um, which is completely clashes right with my perfectionism. So I have struggling with this, like I am failing all the time at everything that I touch. Like why is this happening and, and why do I feel like this? And also my perfectionism being very present of like, well, you feel like this because you're not doing this, 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 and this, and this is wrong, and all the things, right? And so I got to this place in December where I was just, like, weary from it. I was just weary of trying to, like, live up to my own standards that I was setting. Um, I'm on a bread journey, so... <laughs> so 95% of the books that I asked for this Christmas were on bread, about bread. One was called Breadhead, and I'm like, yeah, I get you. I understand because it's all that I think about. Um, but part of why bread has been such an amazing gift, but also an incredible challenge with sourdough bread it, in particular, is that it's very obvious when something goes wrong. It's like glaringly obvious. And that something could be a myriad of things. You can do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven steps perfectly right, and that eighth step, like, goes a little, goes a little wrong, and your whole loaf is just like, what? All that time, that took me an entire day, and what happened? And it's been, it's been a learning curve, but also it has taught me how to fail. So in the midst of this, like, the Lord's doing this deep work through learning how to make bread, um, so I'm going, there's weariness, there, there's, there's suffering around me, there's weariness in my own heart, and then there's also this desire for communion. <laughs> like in the midst of this, I'm feeling further and further away from the Lord. Like I can't, why, I feel like I can't hear from you. The time that we're spending together doesn't feel like it used to. Like where are you? That was the last couple months for me. So I came to this question, how can I experience joy, because there is definitely a lack, when I'm constantly feeling like a failure, when my body is giving out and there aren't answers or solutions, when life feels like a blur, or when joy, like real joy, actually feels very elusive, like, is that really a thing? Which brings me to our verse of the day. John 15, 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So before proceeding, I think that we need to define what joy is, because joy is not happiness. It's completely different. So joy, according to Merriam-Webster, is cheerfulness, it's gladness, and then my added definition is a calm delight despite circumstances. And to be made complete. So think about that kind of joy that is made complete. To be made complete means to make complete in every particular, to render perfect, 
to fill to the brim so that nothing is lacking or wanting. It is in full measure. Think about that kind of joy, like joy that you would have, there's no way for you to desire any more ounce of it. It is that full. That is what he is promising in this verse. Yes, like I want that. How do I get that? In his book, um, Surprised by Joy, C.S. Lewis talks about, it's a kind of an autobiography about his life. And he talks about how there's three main events in his life where he actually remembers, like, could this be what real joy is? And as he's talking through these events, and he's thinking or reflecting through them, he's like, they always fell short, though. So I always felt like I was on this, like, uh, journey's not the right word, but just striving for that, that feeling of joy, like, I want it. What is it, though? And then he said this, to tell you the truth, the subject, that being joy, has lost nearly all interest for me since I became a Christian. I was like, that's why I love you. I love this quote because it highlights the fact that our concept, and more importantly, our experience of joy radically changes when we become a Christian, when we receive the gift that Jesus died to give us. It doesn't compare to anything else anymore. Lasting joy, a deep abiding joy, is fully dependent on the source. Um, Will you you put up that table? This is based on Alexander McLaren's commentary. So I wanted to give us kind of like a, a foundation. So Christ's joy versus worldly joy, because it says in that scripture, if we go back, you don't have to change it back to the verse, but it says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love, so that my joy may be in you. Okay, so what is Christ's joy then? Christ's joy versus worldly joy. So Christ's joy sprang from within. It was nothing that that he acquired from the outside. It was fully from within. Versus worldly joy, which is drawn from outside ourselves, oftentimes, and does not satisfy for very long. I have a very fun fact about vacations coming up. You're going to love it. Christ's joy came from union with the Father. Rather, worldly joy largely comes from ignoring God and is incredibly self-centered. Christ's joy didn't require gratification of the senses and so independent of the presence or absence of such. Worldly joy needs the constant contribution of outward good, and when these are cut off, they droop and die. Can anybody relate to that? No, I need to see if you relate to that. (laughs) We cannot move forward if you do not relate. (laughs) Okay. So going back to my, you can leave that up. Going back to my Addie example, um, sorry, Addie was my daughter. So going back to that example of me having that moment of joy in a very painful night, did it necessarily spring from within? Not really, like I don't feel like it was like in there just waiting to pop out, right? 
Did it come from union with the Father? Not necessarily. Like I was with friends. I wasn't in a time of prayer. I wasn't in a time of like being with him necessarily. Did it require gratification of the senses? No, not really. But it was a gift from God and I knew it. Why? James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I knew that that was a good and perfect gift. We will be given all kinds of gifts and moments that are meant to fill us with great joy, but do we recognize them as such? The question is, are the moments coming and we're just not seeing them? I would say yes. We either dismiss the possibility of it being a gift. Like, think of something right now. I, and I had to sit with this with the Spirit for quite a bit of time. Like, something that I knew brought me deep joy. In that moment, was there a sense of, this is from God? I'm going to say most of the time for me, it was not. There was not this sense of like, wow, thank you. I would dismiss the possibility of it being a gift. I would give in to an I deserve this mentality, which immediately takes away the notion of it being a gift. I have a favorite acai bowl from Organic Roots. In the month of January, we were supposed to spend no money out on food. Like that was our January goal. We will not go out to eat, whatever the cost. I got done teaching a sourdough class, and I'm like, I deserve this. <laughs> so I went and got myself a bowl. <laughs> like, that I deserve it mentality. Or we consume it swiftly, strictly as a means of acquiring pleasure or satisfaction without even giving thought to, is there a source? Was this a gift? Or we can recognize that each and every gift, big or small, is from our incredibly generous Father. Our hearts become filled with gratitude because we acknowledge the love and the kindness and the goodness behind the gift, which then further reinforces his love for me, his love for you, and then that reinforces our love for him. Do you see how this like cycle begins. It becomes less about the gift, like Tom has said recently, and more about the giver. Because my eyes are no longer on, that was the most amazing acai bowl I've ever had. My eyes are on, wow, like, I have the money to buy an acai bowl, and you provided that for me. Thank you. Like, you are so good, and you've been such a faithful provider in every way. And the fact that I have this wonderful store to go to, to buy this acai bowl, like you are just, you're fantastic. Do you see how that, that changes that moment? So this brings me to my first point. Joy is found by remaining in his love. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. That sounds so simple. Like, 
Remain in my love. Okay. I don't feel anything. It feels very unattainable. So, I don't know if I asked. I think I did ask permission for this. I think I did a couple months ago. I'm going to go with I did. So, (laughs) December, Kylo and I fought so much. And not just like little argument type fights, like these were like knockout, drag out fights like we have not had in a really long time. Did I ask permission? No. Okay. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Tomorrow we will have a very big fight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, yeah, so these fights were getting like pretty passionate on both sides. We were really holding our ground. I was frustrated and I walked away. I went upstairs and I'm just like, I, I'm just, this is, no, I just, I just want to, can we just, can you just take me somewhere right now? Just like snap of a finger. And the Spirit said, if you won't let me love you, how do you expect to receive love from Kylo? Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah, there she is. Oftentimes in workout, because she trains many of us working out, she'll stay She'll, she'll show us a new move, and then she'll say, okay, when you get to your sticky point, stay there. Pay attention so that you can get through that instead of letting your body kind of, um, different parts of your body taking over, and you're still skipping the part that she's trying to work. So this idea of sticky points. I have one in my knee when I do a squat. My left knee like gets to a certain point, and then it goes da da, and then it finishes, finishes going down. My PT just saw this, and she's like, "Oh, that's a glute problem." <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I'm gonna read you a prayer. <laughs> what are the sticky points in this prayer for you? And then I want you to sit in those sticky points. I think I gave you a slide for this. Father, you are inexhaustible and magnificent love. I believe that you're within me, that you love being here, and that you are radiating yourself through every part of my being as you promised. Did anybody have any point of that where you're like, mm, I can't really say that honestly? Yes? No? Okay. I'm going to share with you my sticky points in that prayer. Father, you are inexhaustible and magnificent. I could say that confidently all day long. I believe that you're within me. Confidently, yes. That you love being here. Sticky point. I have a hard time believing that 
because I tie his love for being with me with how I'm doing outwardly with him. Like, how am I doing as a follower of Jesus? Because if I'm not doing great, then I immediately assume that he does not like being with me, that there's some type of disappointment. I'm not good enough. You are radiating yourself through every part of me. Another sticky point. Do I believe he's in me? Yes. Do I feel like he is radiating through me? Nope. Half the time, no. Why? Because I'm so hyper-focused on myself, on my lack, on my sin, on my shortcomings, on my failures, that it causes me actually to not be able to believe that, that he is still working in and through me. John 15, 4 through 5. So a couple scriptures up from the scripture that we're at. says, Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branch. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I like how Strawn Coleman um, talked about this verse. He said, we were never asked to be grafters. Oh, I put graders. We're not graders. (laughs) We're grafters. (laughs) Um, But we're not. We were never asked to be grafters, but abiders. It's not our place, nor do we have the strength to do the work of grafting. Ours is to simply stay in the receiving place of abiding. What is that? That means like we are just receiving. We're not doing anything to stay on the branch. Abiding is the abandoned trust that the vine is doing its work and nourishing us in every season. Abiding is knowing that as we follow the way of Jesus, we dwell in the rhythm of seasons, a fruit-bearing cycle that will eventually find us in bud after cold nights and long winters is to choose to stay in God's warm embrace rather than slip out for cheap entertainment or quick satisfaction. God will never let us go. All we need to do is let him hold us while we grow. That's a really hard concept, I think, for us to receive because it requires us receiving. How many people have a hard time receiving gifts? Wow. That's more than I was expecting. But I get it. How many have a hard time receiving somebody doing something sacrificial for you? Okay, even more so. Micah, I love that. I love that you're just like, yeah. No, I'm I'm here. <laughs> Receiving is hard. So if receiving's hard, receiving his love, his like crazy una- like love for us would be really hard. What about in the midst of sorrow and suffering? 
on the cold nights and the long winters. If receiving his love is hard just on a normal basis, how much harder is it when we're suffering and there's no answers and we feel lost? Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus was a man of sorrows, yet complete, perfect, filled to the brim with joy. How is that possible? John Ortberg says, We will not understand God until we understand this about him, that God is the happiest being in the universe. God also knows sorrow, but the sorrow of God, like the anger of God, is his temporary response to a fallen world. That sorrow will be banished forever from his heart on the day the world is set right. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is his eternal destiny. I love that. And I was thinking about that actually over the weekend. I got to spend time out in the sun yesterday in my backyard, which is my absolute favorite, and that's exactly where I'm going to be after today. But one of my favorite things about that is I get to just sit and watch what's going on in my backyard. So currently, there is a spider that has made a web from one eave down to one of my citrus trees, and it's been there for a week and a half, and I'm not touching it. It's not bothering me yet. But like the webs that it's making are incredible. And then there are two hummingbirds that have been coming by every morning, and they sit on the same exact spot on the palm tree branch, and they go back and forth. And then there's been three doves that have been coming at around 6, 6.30 in the morning, and they just sit, two of them paired together, and then one loner. He's just like, leave me alone. I just got up. I don't want to talk to anybody. But I like start looking around at these things, and I'm just like, God, how could you not be a God of joy to be able to create like this? in such immensity, in beauty, and intentionality, in, in the amount of purpose. Like, that just radiates joy. And then I thought this morning, I was thinking about cold, long winters, and how suffering oftentimes can feel like that. And I was reminded of a time when I moved to North Dakota for a little bit, but we moved in the dead of winter, in the worst winter that they had had in 100 years. (laughs) Worst winter in 100 years. (laughs) It made it really hard to see that place like embraced in in warmth. (laughs) that make sense? All I knew of of North Dakota in that moment, it was the only time I had been there. It was the first time I'd been there, and we were moving there at that time period. I could not picture what spring could possibly look like, what summer could possibly look like. It it was non-existent to me. This is all I knew, and it was going to be like this forever. (laughs) It's very depressing (laughs) at that time. And I was thinking, my parents, they recently moved to Awanga. They, their place has been incredibly cold. It's 
way cold in Awanga. It's only actually only 10 to 15 degrees colder, but it feels really cold. And I was thinking this morning, like, I don't have any memories at their new house yet in the summer. What is that going to look like? That's going to be amazing. But all I know is the winter. But you know what? After we go through the summer and we go into winter next year, I'm not going to wonder that anymore. Because I know that summer's coming. And I will have experienced summer. And so going into another winter, it's not going to be as hard. Does that make sense? Suffering's the same way. When we are suffering, it feels like spring is non-existent. It's not out there. I can't even imagine what green grass could possibly look like. But then we experience joy in the midst of suffering. And then we experience his faithfulness in the midst of suffering. His sustenance, his upholding, his embrace. And so when it comes around again that next time, we have more hope. Our eyes are like more opened to where he's at and what he's doing. There are no shortcuts. Austin taught me that on Friday. So Austin did a class on um, how to make a winter beef stew, and it was fantastic. But I walked away, I drove away actually, I did not a lot of walking, (laughs) I drove away just thinking about the process of beef stew. And my daughter was enamored by the stew, and honestly, I thought I was going to have to like bake her to just try a bite. Stews are not pretty. They're really ugly. They're messy, and they're just kind of like brown with maybe some orange in there, maybe some green from the herbs, but they're like not necessarily like, I want that. (laughs) But this stew was amazing, and she kept talking about it the whole drive home. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, yeah, because There was time, like flavors were allowed to emerge and merge and all the things layered because of time. Like there were no shortcuts. It's the same with bread. You can't have really fantastic, deep flavored nutrient bread without time. It is the same with our journey with the Lord. It is the same with his presence and joy and through the suffering. Like there are, there are things that you have to sit under because time is doing its work. So what does this practically look like for me personally? Um, I started reading through about a month ago a book by Brother Lawrence. Um, can't remember the name of it right now, but it's good. It's about the presence of God. And he said, we should feed and nourish our souls with high thoughts of God, which yield us great joy and devotion to him. So for me, this has been just like a very simple practice of whatever I'm doing, if it's dishes, if I'm like driving somewhere, whatever, I'm trying to like fill my mind with thoughts of God. So for instance, I was doing dishes and I looked outside, the clouds were gorgeous, and I just started thanking the Lord, like, these are magnificent. And I said magnificent, I'm like, that's cheesy, but this is magnificent. 
And as I started telling him that, I started worshiping while I was doing dishes. I got to experience the joy of the Lord, like his presence, because I acknowledged him and what he's done and what he's doing. Which brings me to my second point. Remaining in God's love requires devotion. So devoted means zealous, fervent in attachment, passionately and exclusively allocated to a specific purpose. It's not the same as love. Devotion is exclusively for one purpose. It's not like this all-encompassing thing. This is where this comes in. So this cookbook came out, um, I thought it came out in 2023, but maybe that's just when I came across it. Anyways, I was one of the first people to get this from the library, uh, Pasta by Missy Robbins. And I brought it home, and there were crisp pages, and nobody had gone through it, and I was like, this is why I love books, for the smell, the new smell. Okay, so I opened it up, and this is what I saw. First page that I saw. And at the top corner, it says, to devotion. And I was like, I'm in. I am in, Missy. Whatever you have to say, I am in. <laughs> it, that really caught me off guard. I have never seen an author, uh, what's it called? when you give a little something-something? Thank you. Dedicate. I've never seen a dedication to devotion. This book took time, it took effort, and it took discipline. The time and effort and discipline required by the skill. Pasta is not just throwing flour and water together and egg or flour, egg, whatever your version is. Like, there's a skill that needs to be learned. Did the commands required by the skill of making pasta cause the author to despise the art of pasta making? Do you think there was sacrifice involved to learning this art? Probably tons of time, probably lots of failures, On the contrary, the demand that, that, that this skill required, it actually fueled her devotion for pasta. It fueled her devotion for Italy, because this, okay, this is why this, side note, this is why this book's so great. Not only are these recipes incredible, and she goes through the whys behind it, but she goes through every region of Italy and the different types of pasta that they're making in each region. I will take this back to the library if somebody wants to get it later so that you have it. Okay, so it fueled her love for pasta. Her devotion to pasta fueled her love for pasta. Does that make sense? My love for bread currently, who knows how long it will last, but currently... My love for bread fuels my devotion to the skill of bread. It fuels my devotion, which means that I'm watching more videos. I'm reading more instructions. 
I'm trying over and over and over again, experimenting with new recipes, and what, it, what happened with this, and what was the temperature with this? Another fail, that's okay. I'm going back in the kitchen tomorrow. Like, my love for bread is fueling my devotion to it, which then refuels my love for bread even more. Does that make sense? How much more should that be for Jesus? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. When we hear the phrase, keep my commands, I automatically go to, okay, a list of do's and don'ts that I now have to like keep. It's something that I have to do, which further reinstates that I'm now having to earn this gift. That's not right. That's not the heart behind these verses. Missy, I'm just going to, I love calling her by her first name because one day we're going to be friends. Missy's love for pasta fueled the obedience required by the pasta. My love for Jesus fuels the obedience to keep his commands. Jesus is the lover of our souls. Our love for him, our devotion, should fuel our desire to obey him, which in turn fuels our love for him, and it keeps us grounded in his love. Grounded, that keeps me remaining in his love, which will then produce joy, which is fruit. (laughs) That is correct, Sienna. It is a fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) But can this be difficult? 100%. This is hard. Devotion is costly. I'm sure that making this cookbook required her to block off her schedule for a very long time. Not going out with friends, skipping certain vacations, long hours. Devotion is costly. I had this thought while driving the other day about God's vulnerability. Do you ever think of God as being vulnerable? He's actually the most vulnerable person. His willingness to put himself out there, to be known through his creation, to be known through his word, to be known through his son. Have you ever tried loving someone that doesn't let you in? It's very difficult. I think of it, so with the kids, I, I'm, I'm not always thoughtful of this, but I try and keep it on my radar about my door being open or closed. So if it's an appropriate time for my door to be opened, I will stop what I'm doing and go open my bedroom door. Why? Because I want them to know that they are free to come in whenever they want for whatever they need. When they see a closed door, oftentimes they will they'll do, go do something else or they'll knock if it's something they actually really need. But there's something to be said about an open door. 
It's an invitation to come in. You can't come in to somebody that has a closed door and they don't want you in. That is what we do to the Lord all the time. We don't leave the door open for him. And yet he continues to like put himself out there to be rejected over and over and over again. Like his vulnerability. C.S. Lewis said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about when infinite joy is offered us but we are far too easily pleased. I don't think that you could ever say that Jesus was a half-hearted man. He was passionately devoted to the Father, and the Father is passionately devoted to you. So when Jesus, full of the Father's love and joy, was asked to die in our place, he could confidently say, without ever doubting the love of the Father for him, do you hear me? He did not doubt the love of the Father for him, despite being asked to go to the cross. He could confidently say, not my will, but your will be done. Why? For the joy that was set before him. It tells us in Hebrews. And what was that joy? It was you. It was me. The failing bread maker. That is devotion. That is love. For the joy set before him. And just like Jesus, we can have joy in the present strictly based on the joy promised in the future. That's the thing. That's what makes this joy so incredible and so untouchable because it's not based on anything in us. I mean, yes, it's based on Jesus, (laughs) but it's not based on anything we can produce and it's not based on anything outside of us. So that means nothing can touch it. So as promised, my vacation talk. Have you heard about vacation anticipation? No, so exciting. Okay, they have found, they've done study after study after study. People that have a vacation planned, meaning it's on the calendar and it is booked, are much happier overall in those coming months than people that don't have anything on the calendar. And do you know what's fascinating? Once they go on the vacation, that happiness starts to dwindle the minute the vacation starts. (laughs) Isn't that ironic? And then that happiness is completely gone within a two-week period. Gone. It's the anticipation of knowing that there's something good on the horizon. Owen's distracting me. So why is this joy different then? Because our joy is rooted in hope. It's not just a vacation. (laughs) Like, eternity is not just a vacation. 
It is the rest of our lives with the lover of our soul. And I can't even, sorry, I can't even imagine how wonderful that is going to be. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace as you believe. That's the ticket. I cannot remain in his love. I cannot be devoted to him if I don't actually believe that I am loved that what he did on the cross was worth it and that there is something to come that is far greater than I could ever experience here. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So my encouragement to you is to remain and reciprocate. Reciprocate. Remain in his love. Keep your heart full of him. Like, be intentional about that. Keep your heart full of Christ and what he's done, and what he's doing, and who he is. And then reciprocate it. Spend time with him. Obey him. And and this isn't just like, don't lie. Right. Yes, don't lie. But these are like the little things. I got quiet time this morning. I had a wonderful quiet time this morning. I felt like filled and ready for this morning. And I wanted to get on my phone and buy something. I don't even, I can't remember what it was, but it was something where I was like, I can't forget, I need to buy this. And I went to grab my phone and the spirit said, no, you're not buying anything today. That can wait, stay off your phone. And so I slid my phone far away from me and I just continued sitting there and he ended up speaking more to me than I needed to hear. It's those, that kind of obedience, like it's not just in the big things, it's in all of the little moments that he's wanting to lead us through throughout our days. Direct your affections towards him, devote yourself to him and your joy will be made complete. All right, let's pray. Band, would you please come up? Um, Father, even as I end this teaching and I'm looking at that last phrase on the iPad, your joy will be complete. It still feels so hard to know how to enter into this. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us eyes to see 
the gifts of joy that you have already placed before us, the gifts of joy that you will be placing in front of us. Would you highlight in each of our minds, in our hearts, like the joy of who you are? Would you pour out? I am asking like just like a blessing of joy over this community, that it would no longer be something that we're wondering, where is it? What does that even look like? That that it, even, it wouldn't even be a question, that we would get to experience it on a daily basis, not just like a every once in a while, on a daily basis. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for your love and how steadfast it is, for your compassion and your gentleness towards us. And may we sit and anchor ourselves in that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able. And uh, I'll call the ministry team up to the front. See the play? Thank you, Dre. And there was so much in that message, and I think I want to see what God's up to in the room. Come up with my own ideas. What would cause you from experiencing the kind of joy that Dre just talked about? What is it for you personally? Is it distraction? Is it, is it failure? Is it that sense that God is distant? Maybe we're in that kind of a season right now. Maybe you're in a sticky point. I love that. The sticky point, I'll just quickly remind you, is that place in your training where you have to stay there so you can get through it. But we're going to be most tempted to step out. Like, what is it for you personally? Is it... If you were to listen to the cry of your heart, would it sound something like this? I want out. I think for some people it could be that. And I'm not, I'm not speaking about situations where you're like dealing with abuse or something like that. I would handle that differently. But I'm saying in like ordinary daily struggles, do you find yourself going like, I just want out. I just want this to end. Why does it have to be this hard? Or maybe, maybe it's like moved into apathy of like that, ugh, who cares? Is this really worth the effort? Really? Whatever. 
the, everything in my life, everything in the world is going this way, but God's calling me to swim upstream, to fight for this stuff, to fight for joy. When it's so much easier just to like medicate with substances or with entertainment or with whatever. Or on the flip side, I think for a lot of us, it could be, I got this. It's that self-sufficiency that says, I can do it. That resolution that leads us to believe that we're capable of more than we actually are capable of. Because we have to stay rooted, we have to stay connected to the vine. We must abide in order to bear fruit. The joy, joy is the fruit of the spirit. Where's Sienna? 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 The fruit of the spirit. You have to abide in order, for, in order to actually be joyful. And to say, I got this, is to say, I don't need you. I can bear fruit on my own. What is it for you? What is it that keeps you from remaining in his love? Is it failure? Is it distance from God? Is there other things? Distraction, distrust, self-sufficiency, man. If any of those resonate with you, if you're in a sticky point season where you're like, I want to opt out, but I believe that I need to press in in light of this message, I just want to invite you to come and get prayer. There's trusted women, men and women up here that would love to pray for you. I just want to remind you that when we gather here together, this is an opportunity and an invitation to remain in his love. We come to hear a word about Jesus and to respond to it. And one of the things that can happen over time, I've noticed this in myself and maybe you've noticed this in you, is you can kind of just go through the motions of just showing up, yeah, huh? I know, I know what he's gonna say. And you know, like you can kind of go through the motions and before you know it, like your heart just begins to kind of go into low power mode. If you've been on an airplane, you can feel when they throttle back. Uh, for a while, it always freaked me out because I'm like, we're going down. It's not that you're going down, you're just going to coast. But man, that feeling of when you power up, you gain altitude, it's like we're going. We're going places. Like maybe you're in just a low power mode season and you're like, I need, I want to throttle up because I believe God is calling me to look up. Man, if that's you, come and receive prayer. There's so many things in a room like this, it's impossible for me, literally, to try to touch on everything, but I'm going to stop talking because I can talk for a long time. But the Spirit might just need to talk to you. That might be more effective because He knows you. He knows all of the contours of your heart. He knows all of the terrain of your inner world. He understands it perfectly. And so before we, before we start, before I hand it off to the band, I want to do something that might be uncomfortable for you guys. I want to invite you to close your eyes. And I want to encourage you to picture yourself sitting somewhere that's comfortable, a safe place for you where you're like, this is, this is my happy place. And to invite God the Son, God the Spirit, or God the Father to sit with you, whoever you want. Pick one. And then just ask him, what keeps me from remaining in your love? Ask him that question. See what he says. Sometimes he says the darndest things that blow your mind.
Let's take a minute to do that. seconds. Okay, open your eyes. You know what he said to me? He said, fear of failure. He said, fear of failure that, that leads me to want to take credit when things are going well and to get crushed when things are going poorly. It's very hard to be crushed in that way and be joy-filled. Now, what is it for you? just want to invite you and encourage you. If you feel like God has spoke to you, come and receive prayer. Come and receive prayer. And for some of you, you may just need to praise him because you are experiencing something new in your life. Maybe God is moving in ways where you're like, I've never felt joy like this. Maybe you're like, I don't know what's happening to me, but I'm, I'm praying and praising God. My hands go up almost involuntarily when we do this stuff. It's weird. I've never done this before. Can I just encourage you? Just stay there. Do it again. But if you're in a spot where you're like, man, I think, I think there's a blockage in my life, come and receive prayer. You got like 15 to 17 minutes left. I'm going to hand it off to the band. I invite you to respond to his love today.